healthcare. It happens here, and it finishes here. Two men enter, one man leaves. Nearly a two-word review just a shit sandwich. I will roll the record up to the next man. Welcome back to the Basement Fellow Music Lovers here on to the yet another exciting adventure with us here on Chunky Glasses, the podcast. I am your host, Kevin, as usual, and we are always glad to have you down here in the basement with us. have a very special podcast for you today to round out your week. You know, we do these discologists here where we're going back this year and talking about classic albums, seeing how we feel about them years later, and the one we're going to be talking about today, Princess Sign of the Times, is one that I have, uh, that has changed... My opinion has changed as it has changed my life over the past 30 years. Uh, as you're going to hear us get into it, this is one of the weirder albums I think that has ever existed. And uh, it's also one of the best. It is, uh, it's a template for whatever, whatever the fuck you want to do. Everything's laid out here for you. Give you the uh, the courage, or at least the, the, the nod that, like, hey man, try it out. You can do it. I mean, that was Prince's whole career, but this, this in particular, this one was the uh, this one was the heat. Joining us down here, uh, we have a remarkable panel. First off, we have Marcus Dallin. You know him; he's here all the damn time. Uh, our good friend Sarah Godfrey, she's down here. I always love it when she comes to hang out. And then uh, joining us, special guest from the National Museum of African American History and Culture, Timothy Ann Burnside, one of the curators there. Uh, and besides being that, she knows basically everything about at least Prince. I don't know. We, hopefully she's going to be back. Uh, but seems to know uh, uh, a lot about music. And so she's going to share that with you and us. And uh, and we're going to get down on this album uh, that people have gotten down to for 30 years or so. So that's your podcast. That's it. That's what we're going to do. So if you guys are comfortable, if you got a beverage maybe. We had some, uh, let's see, we had beer, we had some bourbon down here. Uh, whatever it takes, guys, whatever it takes. Uh, relax, settle in, maybe put on some headphones, maybe turn on some speakers. Let's head on down to the basement where we're going to spend some time with our stellar panel and uh, Prince's remarkable album, Sign of the Times, on its 30th anniversary. That guy running his mouth there, you know him as Marcus Dowling. How's it going, wow. sir? Thanks. Sorry, man. <laughs> You're just down here all the time. Now I can give you shit. I'm just hanging out. Uh, also joining us, Miss uh, Sarah Godfrey. Hello. Hello, welcome back. Thank you. Thank you recovered from our YouTube podcast, which is recovered <laughs> <laughs> from the YouTube podcast. You, uh, I, I know you weren't here, Marcus, uh, but uh, she basically, you know, I started going off on, on guitar and artery, and she just sat back and was like, "Whoa, 
Oh, oh no, I, I yeah. heard the podcast. Okay. <laughs> and a uh, special guest tonight, uh, Timothy, and your last name is Burnside, correct? Mm-hmm. Timothy and Burnside from the uh, National African American History Museum? National Museum of African American History and yes, culture. culture. So close. Yes, so it close. Is, so close. A- a- <laughs> Anything past like four letters in an acronym, yeah, okay. ADHD kicks you in. You can just say the museum. The museum. That's what we Because it, it is the museum. It is real, the museum. Real, real quickly, what, what do you do there? Um, I am part of the curatorial team to collect artifacts and develop exhibition content. Ah. Does that make sense? It does no, make kidding. sense. <laughs> no, I think it does. Yeah. You, you're basically... Uh, one of the people or maybe the person that makes sure that the shit gets in there right and right and then stays there right we find out we decide what we want to find we find it we get it we keep it safe and we write some stuff about it and hope people learn something you have a favorite piece that you've you've got so far um that's like choosing between my fictional children um you know two we've already kind of touched on them already but two of my favorite things would have to be the nona hendrix dominatrix Mm -hmm. costume and uh, Jay Dilla's equipment. Yeah. Yeah. I, I saw, I, there, I forget if it was a piece in the post or something about you getting that equipment. Yes. And I was just like, what? Yes. It was <laughs> like, about a five year process. Yeah. Man. That's a whole other podcast. That is a whole other podcast. <laughs> we'll have to do it sometime. My dude's is like the best, right? <laughs> she's absolutely the best. And she's now, you know, we are bonded for life. Yeah, right. yeah. I would, I would expect so. If you, if you get yeah. that, there has to be some something I going on. Text on Mother's Day, you know. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. Um, we're here to actually. Is is this guy in the museum? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, Prince. Yeah, he's in a couple of places. He's a couple of places. Yeah, uh, talking about one, uh, Prince Rogers Nelson, who sadly. Around this time last year, uh, he he left us. Um, this was uh, you and I, you, Mister Dime, myself, and Casey Ray. I remember that night. We were supposed to do a big podcast on copyright policy and everything, and instead yes. we just sat down here and got drunk and cried for two and a half hours. And then I was the dumbass who put it out. <laughs> so, <laughs> so uh, but uh, we have talked about him since. We talked about him before. Uh, we're talking about him. Now, because it is around the 30th anniversary of what some consider to be his greatest album, what Robert Christigue, uh, Village Voice Critic, considers to be the greatest album of all time. Uh, and uh, talking about Sign of the Times, uh, this was his, he, he was on a run here. There's Purple Rain, uh, there's, which is just ingrained in, I think, everybody down here, their souls. Uh, around the World in the Day, which is one of my favorite Prince albums yeah, and, and one of my oh, favorite albums of all yeah. time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then Parade. Which I just came around to last year, like really came around to it hard. What? It, it's a weird <laughs> album, right? You're shaking your well, head. It's, acquired, it's an acquired bizarre. taste yeah. album. But yeah, once, but you, once find you get it, there, yeah. Yeah, because like, you can drop in on Kiss, and then you're like, "This is cool." And then all of a sudden, everything around is like, "What the fuck is going on?" <laughs> yeah. It's something about watching uh, after Prince died, watching Under the Cherry Moon like eight times, mm. which is not a good movie, but it's okay. It's such a, uh, it's, such a, it's, a, an, a it's an important film for some reason. Sometimes it snows in April. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And and that song is uh, yeah. And uh, D'Angelo doing that with uh, Maya Rudolph. Oh God! And, Yo. Yeah, we can't. I couldn't. I had to stop it. Yeah. Exactly. I had to walk it, it was, away. It was awful. Um, and then uh, that was 84, 85, 86. So if you're a Prince fan, you're, you're pretty happy. That was my that was my teenage years. So that's when shit was getting freaky. And then in, uh, in uh, 1986, in 1987, he drops this double album called Sign of the Times, uh, which it was meant to be a triple album, first of all. It is still, and <laughs> studying for this, 
one of the weirder albums in his catalog, I think. Mm-hmm. One of the weirder albums uh, that I've ever heard. Uh, but as it ages, I think it makes more and more sense. I want to play the title track, though, because even this now, as funky as this fucking is, it's just a weird damn song. And honestly, a little prescient, mm-hmm. given what he's talking about. So this is a sign of the times. Chances girlfriend came across a needle and soon she did the same. At home there are 17 year old boys and their idea of fun is being in a gang called the Disciples High on Crack toting a machine gun. church and kill everyone inside you turn on the telly and every other story is telling you somebody died my sister killed a baby because she couldn't afford to feed and it was sending people to the moon in september my cousin tried reefer for the very first time now he's doing horse it's june Did Prince in? Yeah, this is um, on. He's he, it is in his music was always you're balancing two things. I think his uh, just outward like he really likes ladies. <laughs> He's gonna write all the songs about it, um, but but also a, a lot of social messaging going on in all of his songs. And this was one of his more social albums, talking about race relations, talking about the society around him, and so for him to sort of succumb to that eventually. And it, I mean, the opioid epidemic is way different than it was back then. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but it, it, when I hear that line now, it calls into question a little bit, like with the line of where, where Prince was as, as this like superstar and just a person. Um, but uh, that album goes on. It's divided into four parts and uh, see what it, it covers. Funk covers all hip-hop them. everything mm-hmm. all the genres covers, everything. what what the fuck would you call housequake <laughs> um i mean psychedelic funk okay pseudo hip-hop right yeah. <laughs> uh, let's just envision genres while we're I'm at doing, it yeah it covers <laughs> christian rock oh absolutely yeah. which we're gonna talk about when we get to that song Ooh, but gross. uh but think about like what you just heard and then think about what was climbing the charts the weeks that this song dropped 
Living on a Prayer by Bon Jovi, <laughs> Taken Flatter by Huey Lewis in the News, oh, man. written by Bruce Hornsby. Lean on Me, Club Nouveau, Aww. which is, yeah. Nothing's Gonna Stop Us Now for Starship. Was that from Mannequin? Yes. yes. One or two? One. 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 Okay, okay. Uh, I knew you were waiting for me. Aretha Franklin and George we Michael. Oh, oh, I forgot about that yes, song. Yes. That's oh, classic. Wow. Uh, yes. Yep. <laughs> I, I just died in your arms tonight. Cutting through. And what we call one of the biggest hits of pretty much all time, With or Without You by U2. Oh. And then along comes this guy who had... I mean, Purple Rain was the album that changed he everything. He already had all the hits. He already yeah. had all the hits. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, he had little hits uh, off like Dirty Mind in 1999. But then Purple Rain, it was just like one big hit, except for... Uh, Oh, what the fuck, Darling Nikki, Darling which I just couldn't play on the radio. Mm-hmm. But everything else made its well, way to the radio. I was going to say, the funniest thing about, or is that funny, it's curious in the sense that, you know, like, he breaks up the revolution, yeah, which mm-hmm. is like the band. And it's, yeah. funny, it's funny only because, like, whenever we do these, I always think about where I was at at this time when this thing came out. Mm-hmm. And I always, like, frame myself, and especially with Prince, because Prince was my favorite artist as a child. I, like, frame myself, like, okay, this is where I was at when, like, Sign of the Times came out. Like, I remember my, my friend Dominique told me, Prince broke up the revolution. <laughs> and I'm like, what? How could he? They're the greatest band of all time. <laughs> That's impossible. How, how is he ever going to survive? Right. And now that 30 years later, I go, okay, so rap was around. Techno is around. You you can't yeah, yeah. forget the techno influence on this album. It's mm, like yeah. all wow. over it. Like In Midwestern. Exactly, mm-hmm. right. So you have that. You have the the rock influence as always, the, the gospel influence as always, the Christian influence as always. Mm-hmm. You have all these influences to the point where you're like, okay, well Prince broke up the revolution. And it's not like a so what, but it's almost like a okay. And he's gonna be okay. Because this is the to me the album where you really start to realize that this man is actually a genius. When you're like, oh, okay, so like you could break up the greatest band of all time, but you could still make hit records in a hundred different genres at this point. Like you're just spreading out. Like, when but you, you got to remember too that part of this record includes the revolution. Right, right, yeah. right. But so it's, there's this is this is like somebody called it like his Frankenstein album yeah. because it really is. It does span multiple time periods for him creatively. Right. And, you know, different spaces, yeah. you know, the fact that he cut the first songs in Paisley Park, mm-hmm. you know, and, right. and, and the board, the console hadn't even been set up properly. And he's like, nope, I'm going to go record. And she's like, Susan Rogers was her, mm-hmm. was the yeah. engineer, right? And she's engineer, like, all right, right word. You know, and so, <laughs> like, what are you going to say? Right. No. Yeah. Like, <laughs> no, Prince. No, Prince. <laughs> but so considering that, yeah, I mean, this is like a piecing together of many chapters of his life and his artistic expression. And, you know, it, it very well could have been the exact opposite of what it is yeah. for many artists. The idea to, to take songs from 1980 and 82, right, you know, say, yeah. and, and, you know, it in his bedroom, the warehouse, um, mm-hmm. all the way to brand new songs in Paisley park and everything in between for almost any other artist on the planet, it would be a complete failure right? because it's hard to put together a, a bot, especially at that time when people were still buying records, it's still a body of work. So, mm-hmm. so, so that's my question around that is that because this is sort of a difficult album. 
Mm-hmm. And 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 it's because of that. It's a brilliant album because of that. And just looking at how these these sides are are split up, which is if you got the vinyl, this is how you would do it. You know, Sign of the Times, Play in the Sunshine, Housequake, Ballad of Dorothy Parker. That's right. one record. Right. It, Starfish and Coffee, Slow Love, Hot Thing, Forever in My Life. That's two. Then to get on to, and this is like Purple Rain, might as well be. You got the look. If I was your girlfriend, strange relationship. Mm-hmm. I can never take the place of your man. And then on to. Uh, the more uh, stuff he did, if you saw him live or on like musicology tour, mm-hmm. uh, whereas like the review style stuff, yeah. especially like it's going to be a beautiful night, uh, adore and and the cross, which gets in the Christian rock. Did this sell when this came out? Because I remember being so freaked out by it. I was just like, I'm going to listen to the hits, and I'm not going. I can't get into all this other shit. Yeah. I um, digested it in the same way. <laughs> did you? Yeah, I mean, you know, yeah, for sure. Yeah. My mom refused to. My mom refused to buy the album. I had to save up like two allowances to buy the album because my mom was like, why Prince put out four records at the same time? Because they are four records. Right, yeah. that, was her, that was her main gripe with not purchasing. Like, she bought me Purple Rain. Like, she went into the record store. I'll never forget until the day I die because it was like she walked in and like the, 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 the clerk behind the counter looked at her like she was crazy. Like, mm-hmm. you're buying your son this album yeah this little child is going to listen to this you're crazy this purple devil <laughs> yeah. yeah right and then it's like by the time we get to this record she's like yeah why is prince put out for i can't i can't buy that for you like that's that's crazy this is not good like i can't i can't support that and i had to like save up and buy it and when i bought it i could only listen to like I think the the third side you mentioned that has uh, you got the look and all that because you got the look was like my favorite. And I was like, okay, that's the only thing I can listen to because everything else. And maybe we'll get deeper into this. Yeah, and it's one of those things that now that I write about music and I obsessively like deal with music in a in a very real way, I, I like it, it has a different resonance for me. Mm-hmm. But it's like this this record is like epic in this way where you're just like whoa like oh my god like this man has made all this stuff and mm-hmm. it's it's all him well, think, just like, think about where he went after that i mean there, there was definitely a, there was a period of adjustment getting used to the uh, new power generation it was because it was just like uh okay and you know diamonds and pearls i think was the one yeah rosie was. gaines is on the yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and and you know, he hinted at that on this, but before it, he went backwards. I want to get on the on the mm-hmm. third side. Mm-hmm. That's the more like familiar Prince. Mm-hmm. I had a song that was going to play, which was the the hit. Uh, you got the look. Yeah. Everybody knows that. Everybody should know this one though. I can oh. never take the place of your man.
is a gospel hour, man. Oh, yeah. yeah. It was just yeah. It was amazing. I mean, you watch the live performances and you're in church. Yeah. You know, like, like All of it's, them. it's crazy. Yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> That's the only way to put it. Um, yeah, I, I could never take the place of your man that he, he gets in that guitar solo at the end and it's just like you knew he could rip before, but then this is just like reminding you after this whole weird journey he takes. From there, uh, you know, that's the end of side three and you get into some Christian rock, which we're going to talk about in a minute. Um, but everything else, mm-hmm. I think, on this album falls into that category of... This is what now I imagine a party at Paisley Park would be like. Mm. That he just walks out and he says, hey, we're just going to jam for like seven hours. <laughs> <laughs> you have your pajamas on and and then you do it. And, and it's it's very akin to jazz for me in, in that respect. Because even though I know these songs and I know all these and there are some jazzy moments on this, mm-hmm. they feel so loose except for that third side that like and and because i've seen a lot of them live like i don't i know this was cobbled together this was supposed to be crystal ball which was the one that Mm -hmm. there was going to be like five it was going to be like three different projects yeah camille was going to be camille's wild camille's wild so camille is like his female alter ego yes and it's basically early auto-tune to change his voice and like that's that like that's very prince-like like, uh, Again, we can it, make things work yeah. that many artists would completely bomb. Yeah, but that's like taking his his love of like girl groups mm-hmm. that he just literally he didn't even like shy away from. He just put it up on film, <laughs> like that's, purple rain, purple rain. Uh, mm-hmm. yeah, purple rain, and and taking it to the next level because it's like okay, I'm done finding these ingenues and I'm done finding these people. I'm gonna do it all myself. How about that? And uh, you know, in 1987, certainly that was unheard of. Like if uh he was like comically straight. <laughs> right. But but he definitely was a very feminine dude. And if people I guess understood how really feminine like he was back then that was something that people that just mocked. Like you mm. see I mean, he got AIDS and he was the one guy who broke through. Yeah, he never he never got the same kind of backlash. Yeah. Um that any again he got away with shit that other artists just wouldn't be able to. And I think that's um, due in much part to his owning every single thing he did. There was never a moment of hesitation mm-hmm. with anything and his, his level of perfection. And um, it's not, it's beyond confidence. Yeah. You know, it's just like you own the moment. Like there's, you can't make fun of someone who is so completely in charge yeah. of what he's doing, no matter what he's wearing, how he's dancing, mm-hmm. what he's singing about, it doesn't matter. And I think that goes back to, you know, like the way that the revolution was disbanded. Mm-hmm. You know, like he framed it for Wendy and Lisa as if like, I I don't, I'm not going to ask you to do these things that I'm going to do. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm not gonna, and when, right, when he actually right, said, right. like, you know, this is gonna actually, be hard. I'm making the yeah, sacrifice. Yeah, he actually told them, like, I'm not gonna ask you to wear like crotchless panties on stage or do whatever. Like, this is not who you are, and this yeah. is not how I value you. Yeah. And even though it was kind of his way of masking the dismissal, I think it was genuine at the same time. In that, you know, he recognized how important their contributions were. And this new direction he was going in, then he knew he was going to fucking own it. Yeah. And he needed people on the stage who were going to be doing that with him and didn't want anyone who was going to be, you know, faking it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, so the revolution wasn't going to work in no. this next iteration of Prince. <laughs> right. No, and like if you see if you see the concert film, this but the cover is basically the set of the concert film. It was mm-hmm. filmed in Paris, correct? Is that, is that right? I believe so. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Where I again, this is the only place. It certainly would not have worked in America if he just showed up somewhere and was like, "I'm going to do this show." <laughs> here's what it is. Um, and I'm going to bring out Cena Easton, and we're going. You know, Sheila E. And like, they're like, who are those people? Like, <laughs> let me tell you. It doesn't that. matter. Just go with it. Because out of this type of stuff, you got oh, like, God. like seriously like disturbing tracks like Sugar Walls that mm-hmm. made it to the airwaves. Like, that's a great song. How? Just, like, <laughs> How? Hey, you think Did about that, that song now. make it to the airwaves? Because if you're a kid and you're hearing that and you're like, what? That's literally what? that. I that's sort of how I found so, out what sex was was hearing that song. And I'm like, wow. what is this? What's going on? I don't okay, understand see, it. So, 87, I just got to, I got to date myself. I was seven years old. Right. So I was only hearing what was on the radio. Mm-hmm. I was not out purchasing records or, yeah. you know, I was borrow, I was borrowing records I from the nine, library. So really like exactly. the same. You was know, on the radio in like Northern Wisconsin though? I mean, yeah, he's Minneapolis. Oh yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> our, our biggest radio station was out of Duluth. Yeah. So you better believe Prince is on the radio. Yeah. But I wasn't even like I would hear it in the car with, you know, friends, parents playing the radio or whatever. Yeah. Whenever it wasn't NPR, you know, and then I got to be a little older and I was literally borrowing rent, you know, taking records out at the library. Mm-hmm. So Janet Jackson, Madonna, mm-hmm. Prince, you know, and I was getting into all of that. So I had like this little bit of a delay, like so many things in northern Wisconsin. <laughs> 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 it's still 90s fashion there. Yes. Um but but so my entry point, like I was way too young to process the things mm-hmm. that were really going on in those records at yeah. that point. Like I revisited those years later and was like, oh. oh. So for you, this is more like just a dance thing. It's like this is right. cool. Okay, so it's it's funny. Like I want like the thing that we should probably talk about about this album to me that like stands out the most about it to me, like one of the things that stands out the most is that. This is at a point where Prince is, like, able to look at Warner Brothers in the face and go, listen here, guys. So, fuck you. I'm going to put out this album (laughs) that is going... I'm going to put out three albums first. I'm going to go to you guys and say, I'm going to put out three albums. And these three albums are going to include me using autotune to mask my voice and become a female artist. Just saying. (laughs) <laughs> and what? And what? We're, we're doing that. Okay? I'm doing Happening. that. Yeah. You want a record or getting a record? Right. I mean, I, I got some tracks I did with the revolution. Just because just you guys seem to love this revolution thing, I did so, so much. I got some music I did with them. And I got some other stuff. I don't even know what to really classify it as, but I got three albums I'm going to do. And the label's like, nah. You're not going to do three albums. You know why? Because they saw Under the Cherry Moon. <laughs> <laughs> That film which we do not speak of. Right, but then it's even funnier because then he comes back and he's like, well, I'm going to take a little bit from side A, take a little bit from side B, a little bit from side C, and then I'm just going to put it all together and throw it at you. And the thing that stands out the, like, the most to me is like the use of like random people that for the era, like random, like Sheena Easton, who for my mother, my mother loved Morning Train. Hell yeah. Mm. Morning Train was like, my mother was like, favorite like growing up like she played that song like it was that and al jero's morning right? yep. mm-hmm. oh, like, Jesus. That, like, <laughs> all the time morning train and morning were like a a staple of my childhood i heard those songs so much they made my ears bleed so then when i told my mom i'm like mom sheena easton and prince have a song together she looked at me she's like 
I can't believe that. That makes no sense. How could Sheena Easton, who does more My Baby Miss the Morning Train or whatever, mm-hmm. sing a sex song with Prince? Because my mom at some point was convinced that all Prince did was make sex songs. She's not wrong. Well, I mean, she's not wrong. Wrong. It's not fair. <laughs> right, it was just funny. She's like, all that this man does is make sex songs. So it was like, and then uh, when she heard, and then when she right, <laughs> neither am I. But like, it's like then she hears um, like uh, you got the look or whatever. She's like, okay, that's good. I like she was it. Into it, that song is so overt. Yeah, but she's like, that's good because she, she liked the she liked. Well, I'm a dance behind the wheel, mm-hmm. so she would dance while driving, and it's like one of the, those danceable moments. But yeah, it's funny. It's like. Everything about this record, in retrospect, is like so like bananas. Like mm-hmm. just in the way that you're just like, okay, well, well, fuck it, guys. Like I've made you guys about a trillion dollars in like right. the last five years. So you're gonna give me this one, okay? You're just gonna give me this one. Yeah, this is mine. <laughs> like <laughs> mine. I'm gonna do everything on this record, and if it doesn't sell a a, a record, I don't care. Because I've sold about a trillion records in the last five years. Well, I think that speaks to, though, the idea, too, that that this was accessible to a lot of different kinds of audiences, you know, because of how eclectic it was. Mm -hmm. And you think about the progression of creativity and other artists who do that. I mean, Outkast inducted Prince into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Look at Speakerbox Love Below. You know, like Mm -hmm. there are direct connections to what Prince was doing early early on in terms of like the uh, kind of reimagining what a record could be right and and it it could it, he was going he was you know we put him in the museum in this section that's called beyond category mm. you know because that's <laughs> accurate for him yeah. and other a few other you know people who we feature um you know he pops up in other places we talk about minneapolis blah, blah, blah. but this idea of creating a body of work yeah. you know that isn't following yeah. any kind of you know, cookie cutter, mm-hmm. whatever, you know, that continued. And he was, he, as a result, people were buying it for mm, two thirds of the songs, maybe because they were, they were into those. And then that's a the different risk, audience that's was the buying it take for the other double. songs. Mm-hmm. Was, uh, mm-hmm. you know? And I want to play a song because I, I think uh, that's a very good point that people were buying it for parts mm-hmm. of the record. Uh, and this mm-hmm. was not, this was long before MP3. So you couldn't, <laughs> right. you couldn't download it. You, you couldn't just you like only like, download your tracks. You could go and hoist the tape, but you had to get two of them. Right. So that and was you had like, to fast forward the right, fucking cassette right. to get All to the songs that I wanted. But this song now that I'm about to play, this is, honestly, this is probably my favorite song by him. It took... About 15 years to get here but uh it yeah it's, it's a big statement that's, yeah that's bold it's I, I like them all but this one i'm feeling this year and uh partially because i think it's because of this going further into his career it like honestly almost killed his white audience mm-hmm. and that makes me laugh mm-hmm. my ass off mm-hmm. this is starfish and coffee it was seven forty five on the line to teach miss kathleen First was Kevin, then came Lucy, third in line was me. All of us were ordinary compared to Cynthia Rose. She always stood at the back of the line, a smile beneath her nose. Favorite number was 20, and every single day. If you ask her what you had for breakfast, this is what she'd say. Starfish and coffee, maple syrup and jam. Butterscotch clouds and a tangerine Decided on a ham If you sent your mind free, baby Maybe you understand Stop 
Starfish and Coffee uh, featuring uh, Susanna Melvin. So mm-hmm. you just pointed out that this is one of the few times he credited somebody. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, Sheena, <laughs> Sheena Easton is not credited. Nope. And you got the look. Like, what the fuck is that? <laughs> Come on, Come Prince. On. You know, we used to do this feature. Uh, <laughs> this, is, this is great for like a year and a half uh, when he was fighting with uh, labels <laughs> and his stuff on streaming. It was Prince is a dick. And so we had sort of like a thermometer, like the fundraising shit. Like how he did. Yeah. And that would fall under like, Prince is a dick. But then he died and it was like, God damn it. He's not like, Jesus. Um, but no, that song, partially I think because of the times we're in right now, that uh, Starfish and Coffee, Maple Syrup and Jam, it's such a ridiculous nonsense collection of words. Well, there's a whole backstory to it. Uh, yeah, but that's what I'm saying. Yeah. But, but he wrote this whole backstory. But it's still sort of nonsense. From, from, the, from Susanna and yeah. her childhood friend and this whole yeah. story. And like, yeah. So it's it's almost uh, like a mantra. And you can just keep saying that. Mm-hmm. And nobody will know what the fuck you're talking about. And you're just like, that's okay. I feel good. Well, I've heard from a lot of people that that was something that helped them after he died. too. Like these yeah. kind of songs that become... These these mantra moments yep. where it's like, you know, if I just get through the next ten seconds, as Kimmy Schmidt would say, like you can you can process mm-hmm. the next ten and the next ten, mm-hmm. and so these kind of the starfish and coffee mantra became a way for people to literally deal. Yeah, yeah, and for sure. you know that's a huge thing. Like I haven't Michael Jackson died. Yes, awful. Like people were moved around the world when Prince died. I think that that the impact was even like it was wasn't greater not saying that there's their their forever feud doesn't even yeah, live yeah, in death yeah 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 um but it was just different well i, I think it was a one two punch that year i think bowie dying oh god yeah. and, and bowie dying and then prince and th- this is why we essentially cried into a mic for 2 hours because it and given what was going on in politics at the time it felt like the plug had just been pulled out and mm-hmm. like oh shit there's the drain. Here we go. Right. We <laughs> hadn't is... even like gotten above water yet. And then again, right. You know, here we are. Yeah. Yeah. And it was this, I mean, after I, after I stopped listening to, uh, sometimes it snows in April, 8,000 times, you know, which I had to, because second coming was for me. Second coming. Yeah. There's, the, there's a live recording. And that goes back to what you said earlier about like some of his connections and his messages, you know, in the second coming, he says, cause this of course was a gospel song mm-hmm. that was recorded. Mm-hmm. Um, that he started some shows with because um, he meant to make a movie, made to, meant to make a film, and it never happened. So, like, there's this one recording of a show in New Jersey, and the show starts with this acapella gospel track, right? And and that is what I listened to 50 times in a row, you know, for four days um, for the next, you know, for like the week after. Mm-hmm. But he, in the song, you know... It's this beautiful, I have a whole blog post about it for the museum, as a matter of fact. <laughs> I read it. Um, I read it. You read it? I read it. Yeah, it's this beautiful moment. And like, pe- what's, what's amazing to me is that people weren't mad at it. Mm-hmm. You know, and that kind of segues into your the whole Christian yeah. rock thing. But people were going to a fucking Prince show, right? And like, here they are getting gospel. Yeah. And you don't hear anyone complaining. And it's beautiful. But even in that moment, he's still, there's a line about how many more good men must die before there's gun control. You've got right. to love your brother if you want to, I think, save your soul or move your soul or whatever it is. 
And so there are these moments where, and I'm, I've in my brain lately for what I've been working on, there, there are these, these kind of narratives of hidden activism or underlying narratives of activism. Sure. And, you know, we were talking about outcasts, like a group like mm-hmm. outcasts is often put into this party box. But if you're if you're paying attention, there's a whole lot of Yo. shit going which, on. Which is the most even even Dre dropping something like another black experience, or um um at the end of not liberation, at the end of um liberation junkie fire, all those the other songs one with Erica. Um, um, then not day in the life, but no, okay. Which album are we talking about? Anyway, he he drops a line about like y'all can't harm me. <sighs> it's over. You know, even in those mm-hmm. subtle moments, humble, uh, humble in the ju- whatever, humble, humble in the You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. I mean, if I wasn't thinking about print so much, Listen, I'd be able yeah. to do that. But, like mumble jumble, <laughs> yeah. whatever. Yeah, yeah. But there's the, those 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 quiet moments of activism, and Prince has those throughout, and so yeah. he he's dropping these. You know, there's this there's this continuum of messages. But it's not he's not like fucking public enemy, you know, and like putting it out there. And there's and Wendy's story about introducing him to fight the power is a very interesting one as well. Right. Um, but these these quiet moments and these subtle moments, but they're consistent and they're always present. And even in a gospel song, you yeah. know, where he's about to go on stage. I mean, that's that's not, that's a pre-recorded track. Yeah. You know, that he would just play. But he's about to go on stage and at the height of the like, like super sex, you know, live show. Right, right. Like this is what he's opening with. Yeah. A gospel song about loving each other and gun control. But but this is is what's hilarious about that. And this is where I said before we play that song where he sort of lost his white audience is because a lot of people, myself included, came on at late-ish. That was pretty late, 1999. Mm -hmm. But really, I mean, you know, Purple Rain is the most important album to my development is like oh, yeah. a music fan, a person, like everything. Mm-hmm. It was just, it was just the right age. And, uh, and, uh, part of that was because he's such a masterful pop, uh, structurist yeah. and engineer that he can do all that. And you get all those little moments in that, but you don't get them until years later. By this, what's happening is he's basically abandoning that and just putting it in these songs. And it honestly, it like, if you think about what they had, like two or three hits off of Diamond and Pearls, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Big but then after that, there. it was just this like slide. Everything is honestly, everything is awesome. If you look, if you, if, it's like reaching in a bin and pulling out a jazz record of this guy. You like, okay, here you go. Fuck yeah, that track is hot. But like, it's all those little moments more explicit. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that had to do with him. And I don't know the timing of this. I should have looked it up. Uh, him converting to be a Jehovah's Witness, uh, which had you a lot know, to do with it. for for a yeah. long time, uh, he couldn't play the dirty songs, mm-hmm. no Vicky mm-hmm. songs. Mm-hmm. He still didn't like to the, towards the very end. Right, yeah. right. Well, he started to, he started to pull he started some of them to reincorporate out. some of them into the live performances, but he, you know, wasn't the same. He he never went back to a lot of them. He, like I never saw him perform. Nikki live. Right. Right. Ever. Yeah. I have a friend who did, and he was just like, what? No, granted, you know. Yeah. I wasn't, I didn't belong out in a Prince show in like 1988 anyway. So that's, <laughs> I don't you know. Probably I mean, for the best. Look, in Wisconsin, <laughs> they take kids to bars. I don't see why they can't just take it to a show. Take them to a Prince show. That's but, true. But yeah, so it was this crazy, like, uh, 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 decline isn't the right word. But this slide into being almost like a, a pure prince mm-hmm. that just so happened to once in a while he had 
uh, you know, like Cream and uh, Get Off. Are oh, like, those are my jams. Yeah, they're jams. But like, like there's we nothing. Had get off, we have get off. I'm sorry, get off. Who plays in the gift shop at the museum? Can we okay. just talk about okay. that for a hot second? Get off plays in the gift shop at the museum, and people will be shopping for their stuff, and like, not even thinking about what's happening. It's it's a beauty. It's a, such a beautiful thing. Okay, so if you guys were smart, thing. you would have like Prince branded sex toys in there, and people get <laughs> no. some little messaging. Like so, I don't know what's going on. So yeah, it's it's funny. It's like every on after like they're, they're, to me there was like this point where like as Prince became, became more like religious and more like you know accepting of like religion into his life and into his music on a more like overt level, you get like that singular moment of like sex mm-hmm. on the record because it was like. Bang and like get off to me was like, boom! Yeah, it. it's, it's happening. <laughs> it's like, and, and I would like live. And as a later era Prince fan, I would live for like the sex moment on yep. the Prince album because it would be like, because like it's like the the, the symbol album is one of my like favorite like records that people don't talk about enough because you get like all of these songs that are about like conventional romance, right? And they drive me crazy because I'm like, oh okay, you didn't do that. Like, mm-hmm. ah. no, because I mean, because Kevin knows about this and every, you should know about this as well. I have this collection of <laughs> oh, music no, that oh, I put no. together. Keep called, on the inside, Marcus. <laughs> oh, <I don't> <laughs> called Hit. And I would make these col- these big giant collections of like my favorite R&B songs because I was like a big crate digger and I love like just listening you to mean R&B. You tapes? Basically, yeah. <laughs> Slow Hit. Yes. Slow I mean, those have been around for a while. Yeah. 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 Not the first one to do that. He's the first one to trademark it, though. Yeah. Volume 17. So I like, like tapes TM, really? Yeah. All right. Volume, like, yeah, I don't know about that. <laughs> so you end up with like, on that, on that album, there's like all these songs that ended up on like one. And then it's like, you get to like seven, which is like this mix of like both. And you're just, I was just like, wow. Mm-hmm. Like you could do both at mm-hmm. the same time. And it's funny because this will get into the cross. Yeah. Which right. you've been looking at on the screen now. We're looking at the screen now for like two or three minutes. Um, because, like, to me, there's this great corollary when you look at, like, Seven, which is this song that takes, like, the, the religious and, like, the, the sexual and you combine it, bang. Mm-hmm. And this was the time where I first heard a song by Prince that made me go, because I grew up, like, very Roman Catholic. Like, I, like, read it mass and, like, you know, I was, like, very, yeah. like, that kid. Like, you know, just, you know, like. Catholic school, first to sixth grade. There you go. So, you're, I, you're, I, I know you know. So, know. it's like, this was the first time on a Prince record where I was like. He's speaking to this other part of me that I only see on Saturdays and Sundays. Right. And, and now I'm conflicted because... <laughs> 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 now yeah, multiple different sides of me are being activated at the same time and I'm not sure what to do. Yeah, frightening. <laughs> but I'm going to go with it. But this yeah. doesn't yeah. want me to do. time when he sort of saw all of those things as intertwined in a way. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. they diverged later in his Well, he always did because career. they are. Yeah, I mean, they I mean, are. That's, exactly. That, that, that's thank the thing. You like, in, in the 80s, you couldn't have... Think about... We, we talked about George Michael. Mm-hmm. How fucking hysterical that track, I Want Your Sex, was. Oh my god, it's amazing, yeah. That sounds fucking Yo. hysterical. When it came out, they would not play it on MTV mm-hmm. without, oh, that, with, that, without that, that disclaimer. Warning. Yeah. yeah, a disclaimer. And, you know, meanwhile, Prince is doing like, just his Prince stuff. <laughs> like, come on, what the fuck is the video for When Doves Cry? Like, it's just fabulous. Fabulous. Uh, like you know, and the videos, the videos for this were were like uh, were like all 
live videos. Yeah. I think, right? Yeah. Is that, is that right? Yeah. And they're all from the concert film. Yeah. Um, but, you know, this was really the first time he did go, like, at full uh, religious or first and a half, I'll say. Yeah. The latter. Okay. Off, mm. of, off of Around the World in a Day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, that was. Me and my friend tried to. Somebody said to us one time, they said, hey, this has a special meaning. <laughs> now, we were like, well, fuck, we're going to have to read all the things we're going to do. This has a special meaning. And it's just, it's just God talk. Right. It's fine. But this one is really, uh, I mean, come on, it's the cross. So. <laughs> Screwed me up real good. It's the cross. Stormy night. No love, no hope inside. Don't cry. He is coming. Don't die without knowing the cross. Ghettos to the left of us, flowers to the right. There'll be Bread for all of us If we can just bear The cross Sweet song of salvation A pregnant mother sings Also do they also did and I cried um, talking about revolution. Jesus mm. Christ! <laughs> Just I cannot handle. Fucking floored me. So, so floored me. Uh, <laughs> Sorry. 
There's like a whole sidebar. Yeah, but yeah, no, that's no, no, what no. it was. I'm like, no. it's hard. <laughs> I mean, it's hard. <laughs> I mean, this whole podcast, if you don't understand, is all about the sidebars. It's music and everything, but sometimes I try to keep it focused, man. I, try. Yeah, I, I got it does, all the sidebars you yeah. want. So, so that, that song, kids, in case in case you were wondering, like it sounds stripped down. It's like it's because it is. You know, we had Jason Mullinex down here yeah. talking about how everybody starts off making music on a four track. When you get your first four track, that is it, right. because you understand the spatial relations to that everything has, mm-hmm. and you can start doing shit like that. That man had the best studio in the world. In the world. He had access to any studio he wanted. And that's literally just a four-track recording. Mm-hmm. But that, of him just laying his shit down and saying, this is what I believe. When we talk about confidence with this man, like, that's the thing. Like, that's, that's what makes his record right. great. I think, how are you going to sell that to somebody? It. You're not. How, how confident you are to be like, listen, I made this song on my four-track. It's about the Lord. Mm-hmm. And, um, it's gonna rock. It's gonna rock hard. <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna put it in the middle of my album. And um, yeah, it's gonna be in the middle of the album. And I know that you guys want to, like, you know, like organize my record so that the hits are at the front and that there's a couple mm-hmm. of cool ones at the back. But it's gonna be in the middle of it. There's nothing you can say or do about it. So whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, nobody else can do that. <laughs> and not in 1987 when, like, sure. music was like maximal. I think that's the thing that everybody. Again, like, yeah, yeah. I think I think the time period this album is coming out is crucial. Maximal, it's, like it, yeah. it's so you know. Everyone always said, "Oh, Prince was like of the future." Well, fuck yeah, he was of the future. Like, yeah, he, <laughs> yeah. Like he, well, that, that's what I'm saying. What? Like when you hear this back in '87, it was just like the fuck. Mm-hmm. Come on, dude. What are you doing? Give me 19 Little Rock Red Corvette. I want that again. And instead, he's like, "Nope, like, nope. I'm, I'm just gonna do <laughs> nah. this, and you're right. gonna like it 20 years later, you dumb motherfucker." Right. And like, that's what you're gonna happens. get it yeah. eventually. Right. And I, you know that that whole idea. He Im- is he embodies artistic integrity yeah. in so many ways. Right. And you know that to be that kind of a trailblazer um, in any genre. But in multiple genres, in, that, in every sure. genre, in all, again, <laughs> yeah. all the genres um, that he's so good at, you know, like that's that is that is forward thinking in in the simplest form, you know, and and to be surrounded by or surrounding himself, I should say, with people who who it's okay to change. You know, at every mm-hmm. at every chapter, like we said, you know, yeah. before, like letting go of the revolution, letting go of different, you know, whatever. Like he, it, in a selfish way, it was all about his own vision and his own ability and his in, his own integrity yeah. and, art- and artistic expression, as it should have been. Yeah. yeah. By the end, I mean, he got the third eye girl, which is something right. completely they, different. They, they were great. It. They were yeah. dope. absolutely super dope. Absolutely. Yeah. Um. There's a there's a thing I wanted to talk about with this album too. It's one of the few albums like everybody I've talked to and I've probably interviewed like a thousand people at this point or something crazy like that. Somebody told me this recently and I was like, "Don't say that. That makes me feel like I've done way too much of one thing with my life. I need to stop." But um, this is the only album I know that every single solo artist I've ever talked to has a different song off of this album in particular mm-hmm. that has influenced their career. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like we talked to Ab, Aaron Abernathy. Yeah, yeah. Like there's a song on his album that reminds me of Adore. In like yeah. every single way, Which like, he, he actually wanted to be on this, but he was—he had to go to Japan for the record. Oh, 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 oh. Hardship, messy uh, 
that, well, sorry, Ab. must be nice, Ab. <laughs> but anyway, so like, there's things like there's like, and you know, like I talked to like I, I talked to Marsha Ambrosius once, and we talked about like two or three songs off of here, mm. and then you know, like I've I've talked to like people who produce electronic music, and there's two or three other songs, and yeah. literally like. And it's funny because like we people talk about like Prince, they talk about like the the breadth and span of his musical career mm-hmm. being so influential. And then when you talk about like one record, most of the songs people talk about are off of one album. I mean, Greg Dooley famously really fucking loves Housequake. It's the only really truly <laughs> embarrassing Prince cover I've ever seen in my life. Oh wow! But I mean to tell you, Afghan Wigs, please stop playing Housequake. You're not <laughs> you're not good at that song, but you're good at most everything else. Wait, I'm sorry. Yes. Yes. <laughs> So, so let's back people, up. So if you what, know, one if more you, time, one more time. So, so, people cover Housequake. Yes. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, like I like, oh. like I was saying, this whole record. That's I mean, you, yeah. you probably, Timothy, you probably, Sarah. We, we've all interviewed a bunch of people. We've all talked to a bunch of artists, right? So Sarah, you you've probably met like a million people who have been influenced by this record too, right? Oh, for sure, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. I feel like in my wheelhouse, more so Adore is what I always yeah. hear people talk about, especially because it was like the Freddie Jackson, like Luther Vandross era. And yep. then uh, he has this fuck tape worthy <laughs> oh, song that it sounds no, that, nothing Adore, like. Adore made two versions of Slow Hit. Do, do, yeah. do, 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 do you want to play that? Because we're yeah. talking about we Adore made one more two song. separate versions I don't think you can play it and I, cut it, though. You can't play it and cut it. No, I won't. I'll just do the whole thing. <laughs> and, and get three back pages anymore. Actually, I won't because they, they got a lot going on right now.
Or something. Yeah, I'm exhausted. How, how's it make you feel, Sarah? Oh God, it's so good. Yeah, it's just so amazing. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's just so, so different, right? Than it's, anything else, any other slow jam of that era. It's and that's incredible. the end of the album. Yeah, yeah. Because of course it's the end of the album. That should be the code yeah. for sure. It's like so. Is this like one long night with Prince? <laughs> is this just the album? <laughs> I, 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 he took you places, but now it's like yeah, settle, I, settle down, girl. I said this, this off mic, and I say it on mic. The only, the only, the only way to do this is to play a door next to Insatiable. You play the two of them back, mm-hmm. back to back, and you're just like, you, you could just sleep for a week because it's like, okay, that he just is exhausted the entire like you know sexual canon of R&B music in mm-hmm. two songs. Yeah. Just like, Every like greatest hits that's love song focused is like International Lover, Adore, Insatiable. Yeah. Like those three back just, to back always. Yeah. But yeah, Adore is crazy because it's just so like it's okay so like and, and I asked Deshaun, I asked everybody, I talked to musicians about this, well, I asked this one question all the time about like there are chords that you could play that guarantee that you will have a hit song. There are notes that you can touch yeah. mm-hmm. that guarantee that you will have a hit song. Mm-hmm. The thing that makes Adore so great is that Prince like finds all of those chords mm-hmm. and just like lays into them like a mm-hmm. little bit longer. So like everything about it is just like heavy. You but become it, saturated. Yeah, it's just like it's just musical oversaturation of like the best stuff. And you're just like Oh, and it's like the, the Ohio players are there. And it's funny because he's... From, you feel a little drunk after. Yeah. It's like, oh. But no, it's funny because it's like, you're from the Midwest. So it's like, there's like Ohio players stuff mm-hmm. in there. There's like all of that, like, you know, that Midwest funk that like drives that, that with yep. all those R&B songs. And then there's like Prince's own way of just being like, this song is about sex. That's not like, I'm going to make a romantic <laughs> song. Or I'm going to make a song that might... Lure you into the bedroom. Prince like, no. It's just I'm up. buck naked on the bed, and here we go. Yeah. Are you ready? Because we're going to do this. Yeah. Uh, and no corny shit, though, either. Like, no chimes, no, like, woo-woo-woo. Right. Woo-woo-woo-woo. Like, none of that. None of that bullshit that yep. sort of defined that Gentlemen, era Gentlemen, no. All. Chimes are corny. No chimes. No chimes. No chimes. I'm almost 45. <laughs> now I know what I've been doing wrong. Yeah. No twinkle Take noises. Take the chimes. Get that out of there. Get that out of there. Oh, yep. man. I mean, think about, too, what was just going on in R&B and soul. I, I, we... I forget which podcast it was on, but I made fun of Luther Vandross. I said he's got like one song, and it was just to piss you what off. The fuck? <laughs> you weren't even here. No. Timothy Smith was a test to see if I was listening. Like, I'm she's going to yeah. uh, But no, but, but it was uh, what I often refer to as dentist office music. 
because in Lynchburg, you couldn't hear this. There was no black radio, period. So you didn't hear R&B. You didn't hear you maybe some soul once in a while. If you found the beach music station, uh, you hear some uh, Al Green occasionally. But uh, but all this stuff that was actually going on, just you didn't hear it. And and then here comes this little motherfucker mm-hmm. doing this and just ripping all that to shreds while doubling down on the intent of it and succeeding. <laughs> like, hey, I don't know what you guys are doing tonight, but I'm getting with your mom. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, no it, the, the, the funniest part about this song, okay, to me, it, this song... And you're going to be okay with it? Yeah, you're okay with that. <laughs> the, the give, give me $2. So I, <laughs> no, you're not even that I'm going to get with your mom. You're going to be like, okay, we're cool. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. The only <laughs> thing I will say about Adore is like, okay, so like we talked about the we talked about the Quiet Storm yeah. format when we did the uh, <laughs> yeah. George Benson podcast. There, and there is a Quiet Storm format, yeah. absolutely. So we talked absolutely. about the Quiet Storm Born format in DC. Uh, Adore to me was a song that only existed after ten forty five p.m. Absolutely. For most of my life, I'm thirty nine years old. For over half of my life, I only thought that this song was to be played it's, between the hours of like 10.45 and 6 a.m. Mm-hmm, for sure. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not it, like a 1 p.m. in the afternoon no, type no, song. No, this I, is like no, no, Melvin it, Lindsay, W-H-U-R. Yeah, it's like dedication. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, yeah. 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 oh, uh, <laughs> this is a, oh, oh my. <laughs> and song goes out yeah. too. Yeah. Right, but yeah, it's funny because... There's very few other R&B songs in my life outside of say like let's let's stay together, which sounds like a wedding. And there's yeah. other songs that have like those kind of like ways of like being iconic placeholders of a thing. Yeah. But like this song, and like again, like to wrap this to the whole album, so many parts of this album speak to like very specific time, space, place of your life. Mm-hmm. Right. Like and and it's weird because Prince made so much music that like defined. How how we we uh, why we live, yeah. Like I, so I think much of that was like mission. Why you, you live? You listen to this music. You go. That's that's it. But like the thing about this album is that there's so much of like how you live. Mm-hmm. Like this record feels lived in. It's a thing that I didn't realize until like I was listening to this album mm. on like Monday. It's like really well lived in because it's like you know, like starfish and coffee. Is a song that speaks to like a very like commonplace everyday emotional thing. It's very yeah. like it's a song that you can use to like get through your day. Right. Not like this is a song that defines my whole entire being, existence, planet on this earth. Mm-hmm. You know, like he's not telling you what to do. Right. He's creating a space for you to have your moment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and all of these these and songs the, do that. The, he is he isn't telling you what to do, but he is giving you an an option. Yeah. Right. Yeah, he's he's like, creating he's, he's, he's not, creating not... this opportunity for you to develop yeah. your own moment with yeah. each individual song. Within he's not telling music. you what exactly you should be doing, right. mm-hmm. but he's like, "Yo, this this is here's a thing, you know, check it out." Because that's see how see how it makes you feel. Yeah, like, get into it. Pretty good Prince impression. Thanks. It's, it's funny, <laughs> I wasn't even trying. Because <laughs> of that era, this is the one album that like sold the fewest copies mm-hmm. in that right, era, right. and I think mm-hmm. that's a lot of it. Is like. Prince Records and that okay, so all the great albums of this era dropped out of the sky like the Hindenburg. Yeah, <laughs> like you know, Billy, you know, is it like Thriller and Bad? Were you saying Living Out of Prayer was also at the Living time. Out of prayer was yeah. Yeah. yeah, so Slippery with Wet and all that. Those records <laughs> just dropped from the sky and destroyed the universe. Yeah, like everybody did a thing. Like I had a Duran Duran painter's cap. I also like 
thought that I was in Bon Jovi while also loving Prince. And all those records, when they came out, they fell on me and like changed everything. I was like, bang, whoa, this is the most epic thing that's ever happened in my life. I had a Michael Jackson action figure. I did two of them Shit. for back-to-back albums. Wow. I don't know what's happening right now, but it's kind of awesome. <laughs> like, that's what I'm like. Uh, yeah, I'm not toy chest, Marcus. Like, boom, like, that was it, you know, so. But, toy chest, Marcus. Oh, so, so many, like, horrible, so is, horrible is toys this, that Is this, as we start to wind this down, is this the nexus of, of, Prince is is this the point that we can point to and be like everything sort of revolves around this? I mean, like, it, he had he had what like I don't know how many albums he had before this was like eight, maybe yeah, something like that seven, seven, seven or eight, and then he had like four hundred yeah. after. Right. But those are neither here nor there. Right. And 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 but it seems to all swirl around because you can hear everything he did before and everything he's done since <laughs> in this album. Because this album, like I said, by comparison, this album dropped like air. Like, I don't even... Okay, so, like, every single album that came out of that era, I remember the first single of all of them. Like, you could literally mm-hmm. quiz me on all of them. But this album, I swear to God, and we talked about it on Gchat, I can't remember what the first single was off of this album. Yeah, I thought it was You Got the Look. Mm-mm. I can't remember... It was Silent Times. I can't remember what the first single Statement. was. I can't remember what the first video was. I can't remember the first time I heard it on the radio. Every mm-hmm. single other album of this era, I know those three things, minimally. This record, it just, like, appeared... Right again, because he wasn't necessarily thinking about the formula, right? Yeah. You know, just, and and that that changed the game in terms of what an album is. You know, I think about in terms of placement for this particular project. You know, again, my midwestern, yeah, you know, core at my at my core, like Janet's Control came out in '86 and Rhythm Nation came out in '89. Yep, mm-hmm. and smack dab in the middle is Sign of the Times. Yeah, you know, and you think about the the. Not that that necessarily is a direct relationship, but um, both Minneapolis, the, the Minneapolis sound, if you will, and Prince mm-hmm. is a continuation of that, even though, you know, Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis had had long since, you know, stopped working together. But but this kind of um, collective scene and empowerment that was in place for particularly black artists and the platform that Janet created with control mm-hmm. and then continued with Rhythm Nation and took to a whole different level. You know, Prince is like right there in the middle of it. And he's again, this like idea that there's this, there's this consistent activism at work. Yeah. With every project that he's doing, even if it's sonic activism. And that's a whole other thing. Like everybody mm. thinks about, you know, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, the, sure. the, the messages and the lyric and, and, you know, what is he saying? But you also got to think about sonically, you know, there are statements in Sign of the Times, sonic statements mm-hmm. that are making very bold declarations about where he's going as an artist and who he is. And he's presenting us with not just who he is now and where he's going, but also where he's been. Yeah. And this idea of being able to look simultaneously at the present, at the future, and the past in one project is groundbreaking. Yeah. And it's something that people have tried to replicate. Yep. You know, I don't think anybody has somebody, you know, somebody's going to succeed at some point. But for the most part, that's that's an unattainable achievement mm-hmm. to be able to all at once be like in three different spaces and within those three spaces present different representations of your artistic expression simultaneously. I mean, I mean, look at the closest analog to this that I can think of uh, in the past 10 years, at least, uh, is to pimp a butterfly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Oh, it, where, yeah. Where, yeah. <laughs> so he's okay. So sidebar: Kendrick is not just saying I'm going to sample funk music, and Play. which is mm-hmm. you know the soundtrack to contemporary civil rights in America. Yeah, but I'm going to get George Clinton on my record. But wait. I'm not just going to get George Clinton on my record. I'm going to sample George Clinton on my record on another song on my record. So I'm going to multi-layer this idea of sonic, you know, the sonic imprint and this notion of sampling to a whole other degree. And that in of itself, he's making a very bold statement with Mm -hmm. not just not just the inclusion of funk music. Right. As this idea of. You know, like I said, like the soundtrack yeah, to yeah, yeah, yeah. all that, you know, c- contemporary movements and social justice and all that funk is at the heart of that. But I'm going to take it two, three steps further and right. just fuck with y'all. It's a, it's and right. I'm going to sample George on a and song, this, this, on another song, does, on my project. Does he do that without having internalized this album? Does he do what? Does he do that without having internalized this album? Right. I mean, I don't know. Right. So there's the thing with Prince that I love. Uh, and it's like a thing that like is like influenced me as a creative. Uh, it's the sense that like and and God, this is like I've never told a person this, and I'm always very like secretive about like my creative ideas about how I create things because it's just I feel like if I give it out, then then it's everybody's, and that's not going to help anybody. But it's funny because like the thing is, is that Prince never closed a musical door. Uh, so so many artists will get into a genre and get into an idea and shut the door behind them, and it's like. To the the to the the detriment of the album, yeah. Like an artist will be like, "I'm gonna make the 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 dance record." Boom, close the door. Don't let anything else in. Yeah. Prince is always like the artist who walked up to the door, and this is the same thing I do when I try to create things. Is he'll walk up to the door and and leave it open and walk in, and still the door is open so that he can both walk out and let other stuff in. So it's like every single time he opens a door. The door stays open. Like right. that's the crazy part. So it's like he opened the door to techno, just left it wide open. He opened the door to funk, just left it wide open. So the funk and techno can get together. Well, and that's that's what sort of I refer to as a nexus. I mean, if you look at it as a physical right. space, if it's if he's sitting here in the center, and it's nothing but doors around him where he can access anything, right? And he, you know, I don't know that there's any album in his career because, like, as an album, honestly, it just it really back to sort of what we started with. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense. <laughs> It's just awesome. But that's what happens when but, you open up every door. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Exactly. <laughs> right. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense. So, I mean, is that the lasting legacy of this album? That it is just out there for people to discover and become inspired and like unlock whatever it needs to be unlocked so they can go forth and create? It's a, it's a funny thing. Like, I feel like everybody that makes music runs into this album in some way because at some point of their work as, a cre- as an artist, like, because... Again, all the doors are open. So whatever music you make, you're going to run into one or two of these songs right. somewhere along mm-hmm. the way. You just Absolutely. are. You can't not do that, you know? Yeah. yeah. Whether you realize it or not. Right. And right. that's the thing. Like, exactly. I remember, you know, not, not every song on this record was distinctly Prince to me right away. Again. Right. Context. I'm eight, nine years old. Yeah. yeah you yeah, know, yeah. I was seven when this record came out. Mm-hmm. And so by the time I'm 10 years old, you know, like Kiss, a lot of people in my generation know that song because it was in Pretty Woman. You know, like our entry point to Prince's body of work is different. Sure. And and that's okay. So it's like you think of Prince in a certain way. And then if it's on the radio, you don't think, oh, that's Prince. 
because there's never a moment. And I think that's the beauty of what he was always able to provide us, which is which is the unexpected. And he in, in a way, it's almost like, you know, some bands may want you to hear a song on the radio and know it's them. Right. Know their mm-hmm. signature sound and their signature mm-hmm. elements. And, you know, that that's that's their trademark and their stamp. And with Prince, it's the opposite in a way, you know, he wants you to question it. He wants you to be challenged. And that's the beauty of this project because holy hell, we question it and we are challenged, (laughs) you know? And, Mm -hmm. and for those who come out feeling like it's an accomplishment and it's one of his best projects, that's one thing, you know, and that's, and for others who don't agree with that, that's fine too. You know, not everybody thinks the sign of the times is the be all end all record of the world. Yeah. And that's, absolutely fine mm-hmm. you know purple rain is their shit then that's their <laughs> shit right not to be mad at that but it's this idea that that again this notion of being beyond category and and as an artist not not just being unwilling to sacrifice your artistic integrity but but pushing yourself to go beyond mm-hmm. what might be comfortable or expected in every creative way possible you know and that's what this record provides us I think yeah. I think that's that's about it. Unless you get some ads here. Nope. All good. Good. Close it out, <laughs> Timothy. Uh, thank you guys. For, thank you guys for coming down. This is a hell of a lot of fun. We've been trying to talk about this uh, for a long time, and I, I can't remember what we have coming up next f- as far as like classic albums. But I know one of them is going to be uh, Parade, and one of them is going to be Around the World in a Day. So. Mm. Oh, Hopefully, get Ab down here and we can do that shit. So, uh, thank you guys for coming down. I hope to see you guys soon. That's better. Thank you. There it is, Prince's Sign of the Times at 30 years old. Just a wee whippersnapper of an album. Uh, thanks to Marcus and Sarah and Timothy for coming down to hang out, to share a little with that. Uh, that was, uh, we've done a few of these. That was actually probably my favorite, um, which is saying a lot. Because I think, you know, when we started doing these, we weren't too sure not only how they would play or how we were going to approach them. And uh, and quickly realized in doing this that uh, not only are they are they just fun as hell. Hopefully they're fun to listen to. I don't know. You let me know. But uh, they're fun as hell for us to do at least. And uh, but it it sort of sort of reminds us all like why we do all the things that we do now. Why why like next week we're going to be talking about Chris Stapleton and Thurston Moore. Why that? Uh, partially because of this album because it got us into like something. Uh, that uh, that that resonated and continued to resonate for thirty years. Uh, made us music fans, made us music lovers, made us uh, appreciators of the highest degree. Uh, so thanks again to the crew that was down here. 
And that is about our podcast for this week. And uh, if you liked what you heard, you can tune in to us on iTunes. You can subscribe to us there. You can leave us a, a message. You can leave us a rating. However you like to do it. If you like feedback, feedback is important. Speaking of that, you can do that on our site, www.chunkyglasses.com. There's going to be a post up there uh, with this with some show note links. Some links to, so you can learn more about prints. And uh, if if you know if you if you heard this and thought, hey man, this is awesome, uh, let us know. If you heard this and thought, man, you guys are so full of shit, let us know that too. Correct us, if you will. Uh, this is not a facts based podcast, but we do try from time to time. Um, you can also listen to us in Stitcher, Mixcloud, Google Play, sometimes up on SoundCloud. It is always streaming right on the site, and uh, you're pretty much everywhere, man. Everywhere. If if you can't get it somewhere, let me know and I will try to put it there. How about that? Um, coming up next week, we have some pretty cool podcasts. Starting off on Monday, we're going to be talking about Chris Stapleton's new album, From a Room, Volume 1. The Country Crew is back. It's myself, Marcus, and Eduardo, so that is always a, a good time. And then on Thursday, uh, we're going to do two things um the the minor thing is we're gonna be talking about Thurston Moore's new album Rock and Roll Consciousness and then before that uh there's a there's a pretty extended conversation extensive conversation about the uh the whole power bottom situation uh you know we wanted to uh not jump to any conclusions we wanted to get facts at the same time we recognize uh how bad the situation is and um so on Thursday, we're going to be talking about that. And we're going to be giving you a whole lot of links and, and thoughts and information and tools and how to uh, deal with uh, all this sort of bad shit that seems to be happening uh, around them. And uh, and it's not just them, guys. It's uh, <laughs> sometimes people suck. And and that is, that is a fact. So uh, look forward to that. And then... In the next few weeks after that, we might have a few killer interviews. Uh, I know we're going to be talking about Elder, and I think uh, you guys know we like the Grateful Dead here. We're, we're doing something this Saturday. I'm taping this on a Thursday, Wednesday night, um, where we're talking about the new Dead Collection, uh, Get Shown the Light, which is four of the Dead's best shows, what people consider to be the best. From Barton Hall. It's going to be Eduardo uh, and Andre and maybe uh, Casey Ray down here. Just sort of tripping out on the dead. I, I man, it, it might take an hour. Maybe it'll take a take a week. I don't fucking know, but it's going to be fun. Uh, so that's going to be coming up down the pipe. So, uh, as always, we thank you for tuning in. Uh, we're going to get out of your hair here. Everybody have a great weekend, and uh, we will see you on Monday. Until then... Be good to your ears, but be better to your people. We'll talk to you soon. Oh, <laughs> 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 <laughs>